couldn't get a ride in Europe and I was back to racing the local 100k club rides races back in South Africa. Going from World Tour, going from the year before flying with Lance in his jet to South Africa as like Daryl and Lance and we're going here and doing all these fun things and racing World Tour races to coming back to my local club race and just being like waking up at five. Five, the race starts at six, because we're waking up sometimes at four and I was just like, but what that- am I doing? And then I've then I've gone and I've also I've also said to my wife's you know, dad, just before that, like, you know, I want to marry your daughter. So this has all happened, and I've asked Ali to marry me, I've lost my job, I'm racing local races, and he's like, you're gonna be able, in a joke, he said, are you gonna be able to look after her? Yeah. And I was like, it's yeah, jo- it is a joke, but it's probably not really a joke, because I would be asking the same question if I saw this. Well, you, this sh- professional person who's just lost his job is now, you can see that. Yeah, you can oh, see the pattern coming. He's gone from hero to zero. <laughs> Where's he going from here? Well, now you were just listening to the episode I did with Daryl Impey way back in 2019. You can tell from the audio quality, we had a long way to go there in life in the peloton. Guys, I'm Mitch Docker. This is Talking Luft. And Daryl, he's a good mate of mine. We had the pleasure of racing together at Green Edge. We also crossed paths early in our career while we're both spending time in a small Belgian town called Kelmus. But later on, we lived around the corner from each other and our families got to spend a lot of time together too. He's a great friend and a great guy, but he's decided to hang up the wheels this year, finishing a colourful career at Israel Premier Tech. This is Talking Love, presented by our partners, Rafa. And as you heard, I have the full episode from Daryl way back in February 2019. And I strongly urge you, if you haven't heard that episode, get across and listen to it. But if you have, go back and listen to it again, because it's a bloody great episode hearing about what makes a career that he has had. But this is Talking Luft, and apart from our usual questions, I've spliced in a few extra questions to wrap up his amazing career and to hear what the future holds. Seeing as we're talking about retiring, since I retired from racing a couple of years ago, my diet has gone a bit to the wayside, you could say. I'm eating a little bit more for necessity these days rather than peak performance like I used to. If you're a long-time listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for about eight years now. I started drinking AG1 when I was racing overseas as a pro because I was looking for the marginal gains, trying to make sure I had everything topped up to the max. Like I said, I'm far from fueling for performance these days with my diet, but I think having the extra support that AG1 gives me as a nutritional supplement actually makes it more important for me today. I'm just not getting it from my diet, so I need to make sure I'm having everything topped up every day with AG1. What I also notice when I drink AG1 daily is it not only helps me top up my nutritional foundation, but I'm finding it gives me a general boost of energy throughout the first part of my day. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continually refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline fitness and health. If you want to take ownership in your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash life in the peloton. That's drinkag1.com slash life in the peloton and check it out. Guys, I'm not going to hold you up much more than this. 
Sit back and enjoy. This is Talking Luft with Daryl Limpy. All right, Daz, Daryl Limpy, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks, Mitch. Always good to see you, mate. Massive career. We're right at the end of your career. 16-year career. Is that correct? 16? 16 years, mate. Some massive highs, also some big lows, some things to overcome with it. Your career was full, and I think guys who have long careers are full of everything. You know, your team's folding, massive crashes, setbacks, yellow jersey at the Tour de France, multiple national champion, Olympic Games representative. There's a million other things. I want to start with one question, Daz. It's a big question. What is one of your fondest memories from your career, mate? It's hard to pick them out, but definitely probably the biggest or the the funnest moment I had was, uh, you know, getting that uh, team time trial win in Nice in the Tour de France in 2013, where we mm-hmm. not only won the, the stage, but then we got the yellow jersey that came along with it. But just being able to go up there with a the full squad, also my first my first trip to the Tour de France podium steps, you know, to, to, to feel that. And, you know, the, also the, we didn't expect to win. So it was just yeah. that you know, utter excitement of like totally unexpected, um, of, like a super nice surprise. And then... Um, yeah, to be able to go up there with everyone was just sealed the day. I love how that still sticks in your memory from all those years ago. Probably what is it, ten years ago now at least. And it's just there's something about that. Like I won a, a stage in the in the Giro in the team's time trial, and that sticks in my mind because it's just it's different to any other individual result, isn't it? Yeah, I think because you the whole time you're kind of just working. You know, you're working for one guy ultimately, but then there comes your moment to shine as a team and and show who you really are. And then it's kind of like, you know, of course you're happy that your teammate wins and goes up on the podium, but then when you all get the same same kind of like reception, mm. you get the same feeling. We are all part of this victory. We actually crossed the line together. We won together as a team, and the whole thing was a team event. That's what makes it special. You know that no one sticks out to. The, sure, somebody pulled a bit longer, but everybody knows that. You're on that top step today because of mm. your contribution for the day. Well, Daz, this is Talking Luft. Let's get right into it. The way I'm going to do it today is style, bikes, culture, and about you. I don't know if you're aware of it. I know the listeners know how this works. I'm going to just hit you with these questions about style. Let's start with the the iconic question, caps, caskets, capolinos, specifically B-Lecker cap- capolinos. How do you wear your cap? Uh, we don't have a specific style, but I'm always, uh, I'm never, I never turn the cap backwards, always frontwards with some luft, like you say. And then um, I'm more of a peak up kind of guy, um, mm. especially, uh, I, I don't, I prefer it up because also it's got to be lacquer underneath, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I prefer it with the, with the front, uh, with the lid up. Tell me, without a helmet back in the day, what would your style have been? You know, I've seen you at, on a few of our little rides we used to do in Girona. You, you ran the, the leather helmet. You've also run a bit of a, a headband. You've had the slick back hair. You've done all styles as well, from what I remember. What would your style have been back in the day if you could have raced back in the day without a helmet? I think I would have had a hat, a casket hat. A casket I would have had on, for sure. Um, you know, I, I remember when I turned pro with Barlow, well, the first thing I did was I thought I was a big chill <laughs> and I just started training with a casket on. So I definitely would have gone run that, run the, run the casket for sure. All right. Now, you, now you're moving on from the pro world. What are you going to do? Are you still going to shave your legs? What are you thinking? Have you thought about this even? Are you going to continue, you know, to look vain and, you know, keep the legs nice and trim? Oh, you know, like I, I look at them now. I went riding the other day and I could actually feel the wind like in the hair on my legs. So <laughs> oh, you've I let them go. The ra- I'll let them go. I haven't <laughs> touched them since I stopped. 
I haven't. Uh, I've actually only ridden like three or four times since I've stopped. So um, now I've kind of let let myself go a little bit. I'm not going to shave the legs. I will. You know what? I, I will when it's when it's required. When I'm at a race or if I'm if I'm not racing, but I'm there at the race, mm. I'll probably shave them. Just not to have the pressure of like, oh, I've got to shave my legs every every five days or whatever it is, you know. And just it's quite nice. I tell you, I shave my legs twice a year, and when you shave them after six months, they last for ages. Like, I mean, three weeks before you got to do it again. It's amazing. And like you say, it's always like you know, I always had like a Friday thing. Like oh, it's Friday, I got to shave my legs. The weekend's race is coming up. Do it at home because you never know what shitty shower you're going to get in Europe. Yeah, now it's just like ah. Oh. I don't need to do that. And actually, it's like every day I wake up and I think, do I have to go riding today? No, actually, I don't have to do that. It's like quite a nice feeling. What are you going to wear next year? What Are you, you going to wear like X-Pro kit? You're going to start breaking out some of this old kit, you know, rip out Barlow World and work your way through the teams? Or are you going to just go all new wave stuff and just sort of dip into some stuff you, you haven't been able to wear all these years? I think I'll just wear whatever's in the cupboard. Like, you know, like I do with my T-shirts, just kind of whatever's on top. It's are you gonna kind of, are you gonna I mean, cycle I, some of the old kit back into the cupboard? I like it. Yeah, I, I I think I think so. I think um you know I've got still like some some nice bikes that I've uh, kept over the years, so I've got a kit to go with all those bikes. I hope I'll still be able to fit in them, but um I I would like to like do some rides with you know the full kit, the full get up. I, I, I presume I'm going to be having to change the size up, so I'll have to buy a new kit um all next year. Well, that's also quite nice too because you can get to. Finally, wear what you want. You don't have to wear like a bright pink and a bright blue and a, you know, can just go like stealth black or I could just go like whatever I want. Well, that leads me into my next question. Something I've discovered is wearing baggies on a bike, you know, like pants, floppy T-shirt. You know, I go riding all the time in those in normal clothes, more or less, like getting used to it. Or are you just going to do Lycra all the way? You can't do that transition. No, I reckon I could do that transition. I do it with my son. I go riding with him in just kind of baggies and a, and a shirt, some flats. Yeah, I, I enjoy that. Like, it's it's also like quite nice sometimes where you just like don't have to clip in, you know, you just mm. kind of like as lazy as it sounds, but it's actually, <laughs> that's bike riding. That's exactly how how you grew up as a kid and that freedom and that just like wear whatever you want and do whatever you want. There's also something in that, you know, like you don't, if you, if you commit to like lycra, you got to go all lycra or you got to have socks. You can't like wear like, like you, if you go in shorts and t-shirt, you can go with whatever you want, you know, like shoes, whatever style you want. Well, let, let's talk about, because baggies leads me to my next question to you. Let's, your next venture, Cape Epic, I saw you announce that. That's something I did earlier this year. What do you want to do there in that race? What's your idea? Look, it's in your home country. You know more about it than I did before I went there. Tell us about Cape Epic and why, you, why you're heading across there. Yeah, so it's been a bucket list of mine to do for uh, many years. You know, two years ago, I was supposed to do it in October and then I broke my pelvis so I didn't get the chance but uh, now I'm retired and I've got the time to do it and um, to be there at the Epic is uh, I want to just go and have fun ride with mm. my mate David Higgs I didn't want to go there with the pressure of having a stronger partner and someone that I had to like hang on to the wheel or I had to train you know, I had to make sure I had to have the pressure of getting fit and training for it not to say that David's not fit when I asked him to do it with me, he was like, uh, no, 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 shit, you need to enter the race and you need to ride it properly and I can't hold you back. I said, no, that's the exact reason why I'm riding with you because I want to go and enjoy it. And if and if he gets tailed on the climb, I'm happy to wait. And if he's going to hook the downhills and risk it, then I'm going to go hard on the climb so I get a gap, you know. It's going to be fun to do it. And then also, like, we're going to be doing it for an awesome cause. So um, you can't, we were kind of just going to ride it and we both kind of agreed, like, oh, let's, why don't we do it for someone or something or a charity or and we found an awesome charity to ride for, and uh, we've had huge support. So it's given us a real purpose. You know, we've we kind of just 
although we we're going to be able to go and have fun and enjoy it you know we, mm. we've also got like a nice responsibility that goes along with it and people are supporting us and that's fantastic well famous last words going to be fun and enjoy it and all that sort of stuff that's what i thought too let's have a chat afterwards and uh see if your opinions change because she's a tough old uh eight days over there I can tell you let's talk about bikes mate rmg road bike mountain bike or gravel bike one bike forever what's it going to be daz that's tough eh I would say a road bike would be my choice. Uh, I, I love the gravel. I'm less favoured towards mountain biking, uh, just because it's like it's just slower. I, I like them in mix between gravel and mountain bike, but um, I, I mean road and mountain bike. But I still think a road bike just fun. You know, you don't have to clean your bike so much. You get out there with your mates. It's easy. You can get home. Good coffee shops. Chill out. Have a beer along the way, sneaky one. You know, mountain bike, you got to find a shop. It's it's not always out there. Gravel is not always accessible. Road is tons of options. I don't know. I reckon you're going to change. I reckon you'll be like me. I, I started out with road and I've slowly gone to gravel and then now gravel's even too serious for me. I've got to, I'm have got. i more mountain bike. I think you're, after Cape Epic, I reckon you're going to be like, yeah, I think I think I like this thing. Um, Tell me on your bike. I wondered this. Are you Euro brakes or are you goofy? Like as in Euro left-hand front, right-hand back or are you right-hand front, left-hand back? Because it, what's South Africa? No, nah, I'm right back. So you're yeah. going to keep that? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I've never. I've never ridden a bike with the other way around. Do you have a Strava account, Daz? Yep. Do you hunt comms? Uh no. I I used to hunt comms in the beginning when it was like less people were using it, and then when all these pros like really started using it in races and stuff, I was I gave up because stopped getting them. You may change. Like I I hadn't even have a Strava account before I retired, and I got one, and then all of a sudden I was like. This is fun. Like I've got actually something to go for now out training. I've got something to do. Yeah, I can I can see it to purpose. I think especially for like guys like you and me that have like raced and then gone like oh, I still want to test where I'm at mm. compared to like so and so. So you would go from even though you might not be able to get it, but it'll still piss you off that you can't get it. So then eventually you'll go nah, I I, I got to work out how I'm going to get <laughs> yes. just come with that. You know, <laughs> you got to find a way. You know, you know your fitness has let you down, but you know there's like few tricks like geez, maybe if I get a lead out from someone or we do Tail a full pace line or, or yeah. we do yeah, or it's the right day or it's the right moment. Or I come super fresh and just drop all my bottles at the bottom and just do it. <laughs> you know, there's so many uh, ways to do it, but you you I think uh, I think the competitiveness of of myself of everybody that's raced like you it's like it doesn't leave it, mm. it doesn't leave you put a number on the other day i was riding with guys and they were just half wheeling each other and i was just like behind like chirping you know trying to edge them on because i could see the, the competitiveness it was fun it was like fun for me i was like oh who's gonna die you know it's fun <laughs> oh, i love it i love it mate Tell me, you've got to have a favorite training loop. You lived in Italy for a while, South Africa, you know, Girona. There's stuff up in Andorra as well. Tell me, out of all the places you've lived and trained, what's your favorite training loop? If you can pick one and run us through that loop, because someone out there is going to know the loop. I really enjoyed um, riding around like Punta Sesquero here in Girona, like uh, alongside the, like, the little the kind of a, what do you call it? It's a big damn wall on the top. And then um, it goes... You kind of ride alongside the little river at the bottom, and then you kind of turn left up a like a nice climb, like two, three k's, and then you come to the top and it's big dam wall and huge like obviously reservoir or whatever of um, of water there. Yeah, just riding along those little narrow roads, you know, there's going to be a chance. There's like zero percent of a chance coming around, like a car coming around the corner, and you kind of feel like just just you braving the elements. It's steep climb to the top, um, super steep, like 12 percent or so on some of the. Sp- pictures so it's just like you're suffering out there but you can you know you can just be by yourself you can hear your breathing you can hear the birds tweeting Mm. it's just like you feel like you've just in this area of like 
tranquility, you know, but you're doing your job, you're doing your thing. Um, and then it's also like a super nice descent down into Girona, big wide road. So it's like no risks. It's just like mm. flowing. And I, I enjoy that kind of a, kind of a loop. I think that's been my go-to loop. Like I, I always used to do something like a mare, like a climb before that, which is a climb that most of the guys in Girona test themselves on. It's like 25 to 30 minutes. Um, and then I would do that. And then I'd go right around Pantasqueda just to like, just take the foot off the gas, kind of just, yeah. Have time to think and ponder, and then it's like, like I said, nice downhill towards Girona, so it, it makes life easy. It's funny, I never really did the loop that way. I always used to go up to Osor and around that way because I don't know why. I don't know why I never. I'm not saying I never did it that way, but it wouldn't be my natural way to think of doing that loop. Um, and it's funny how everyone's got their own direction to do the different loops, isn't it? It's like, oh, why yeah. would you go that way? It's backwards. Yeah, like it's like Olot loop. Like everybody goes like. I go normally less planners first, like that way yeah. around, and then Bagnolas at the end. But most some guys go Bagnolas first, and I guess it's your first ride that you do in Girona, or your first time you do that loop. Mm. Then you go that that's the right way to do it. Like the coast loop, I never went first towards like Palamas and then went to Tossa de Mar. I always went Tossa de Mar first. Like it was, yeah, I never went there. But then you speak to like some Australian riders or some other guys, and they go. Oh, why'd you go that way? You're like, well, I'll go that way because I can go to the brew shop. Then they're like, oh, but we go to the brew shop in Tosso. You're like, yeah, but uh, it's just <laughs> yeah. never made sense to me, you know? Yeah. It's super weird. It's super weird. Tell me, Dad. But, I, but I, also, yeah. I also enjoyed like Endora training. Like Endora was great. Like I loved, um, look, my favorite climb is probably Ordina. You know, that's just an mm. awesome climb. Yeah, like I loved that. Like that was great from Camillo's side or whatever, Canelo's side. That was just for me, it was one one of the best climbs out there. Just like in, super nice, just twenty nice twenty climb. minutes, nice. a good a good distance, you know, but good gradient. Yeah. If you went to if you went fast, it was super hard, but you could also recover on it. It wasn't steep where you had to grind. It was just it was a good good climb. That really nice climb. Yeah, and you knew, or you always knew, like whatever day you were having, if you're having a good day, or you could add it on the end of your ride, or it's just an easy ride. You knew whichever way the day was going. If you ever ran into shit, it was just like a downhill, and you were at a coffee shop, or you were downhill, and you were home, or to mm. something. You know, it was just like an, it's just a good spot. Tell me all the bikes you've had over all your years. I'm not talking about technically; it was the best one for that. What is your favorite bike? Maybe you got the fondest memories from race wins. Maybe it just felt really good, really fast. It could be your bike right now. I don't know. Think back all over the years. What's been the best bike of all time for you? For me, the bike that I probably enjoyed the most is the Scott Foyle. You know, the one prior to not like the, the one with the disc the brakes. blue one. Not the, like yeah, like the blue one we had. Not the one that with the brake underneath and all that yeah. nonsense. I, I prefer the one before that was like just real. It was a good quality bike. It was just solid. Um, you know, you could climb well with it. Handled nicely. For me, that was the best one. Then it got onto like the discs and everything else. Uh, which changed the dynamic of the bike, and then that that funny brake at the bottom, which I never ever agreed with. The first one with the normal standard brakes on the top where they should be was the the bike for me. So, Daz, your last off season, tell me, mate, what's it been like? Have you thought like that? You know, because something that I felt like was the last little bit of my career was going to my last race. I was doing my last training ride, my last six hour ride. Then I do my last tosser loop, and I do my last you know hill loop. I'm like, these are my last things like my last real off season to feel this big load of a season this freedom to go like i can literally have freedom of four weeks off and not even think about work or training or whatever have you what's the last off season been like i said it's been fun to get paid to do nothing 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the good part because the contract runs from January to December. Obviously, this period now you're getting paid to do nothing. It's I think it's a combination of things: not having to do anything, but then you're going out to do it because you want to do it. Mm. Um, that's there's something in that. Yeah, I've just enjoyed like actually the time to even catch up with like um like people from the school that like we've met with the kids and the families and stuff like that, and going to town and have a beer with them and be like. I don't have to be home tomorrow. I don't have to be home like tonight at 10 because I'm training tomorrow. It's like, oh, I can actually settle in. I can have a couple of beers with these guys, get to know them properly. And I don't have to be anywhere. You know, like mm. I can get home and I can wake up and I can and be ready for the day. And we've got to take the kids to school. I'm not like, oh, I've got to be back by nine for training. Like I've just taken all that pressure to mm. train and get fit and to, to do my job. That's just gone. You know, like weekends mm. with tennis with the kids and soccer. I love that, taking them to games, matches. And then if I get home and I feel like riding at 2 p.m., I don't see it as like, oh, I've got to go ride in the afternoon now. I'm just like, oh, just I go out now to exercise. I don't go out to train. I go out to like exercise, clear the mind, which is nice, you know, like not thinking like, oh, I've got to go do that loop now. Like the other day, guys, like I think tomorrow is um, a service course ride for for Simon Garen. They did like some epic loop, like 145K gravel. And I was just like, oh. I don't want to do that. And I was like, man, I'm happy to come. I'm happy to come and be there. But then he said, no, there's a there's a shortcut. There's a 95k. I was like, okay, 95k. Oh, I'm happy to do that. But I was still almost big. like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was still like big. But I was like, right, I don't want to commit to. I don't. I don't want to be on the bike for seven hours when there's no point in being seven hours. You know, like I want to get back and watch the rugby tomorrow night. That's the big thing. You know, that's yeah. the big one. Brilliant, mate. Well, well, let's move into culture. We've got a couple subjects left. Culture. Favorite race of all time, mate. I like the I like the history of San Remo. I love the biggest monument, first monument of the year. Thought you know, start the like the real that real stressful period on. I love the the romance around the race. You know, every nobody knows how it's going to go. It's theoretically it's like the easiest monument to finish, but nobody understands like at the start line who's going to win. Like someone, and there's always someone that pulls something out. The, you know, rabbit out of the hat that day. So, and I and I love the like the, the slow build up, which is like a chaotic final. You know, it was like almost as like real like you just feel the day's just getting faster and faster, and you knew okay now now again now 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 we're fighting for position. Okay, now we're starting to get the elbows out, and then it just everything just ramps up, which makes it a fun race. Well, it's it's a real traditional like I know this. It's traditional race, and I guess cycling went through that period when we did the Velon series. Like, let's make the racing faster, like twenty twenty cricket and whatever. And I'm like, it's a traditional sport, and that's the racing. It's it's the slow build. It's the Test match cricket. You know, it's got to build up. It's got to build to this, and that's why like San Remo is a perfect example. A special rider wins it. It's a, it could be a climber, it could be a sprinter. It's just got to be someone who is good after six hours of rolling around. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 all it's all of those things. Like, and you know, as a spectator, when you're watching it for six, seven hours, and then like something happens to your guy, like right at the end, it's like, ah, mm. you know, you've, you've invested so much time into watching this thing, right? <laughs> yeah. and, then, and, and then it goes pear shaped, you know. So it's, I think, uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed San Remo. It was like I just, and also like I just loved the fans and the, you know, like the, you know, the, obviously the Italians they come there, and then there's the Italian riders that are obviously targeting the day, and they come out with a special house. Helmet and uh, you know because it's the amore you know it's like you know the love for the race and the classics and our favorite rider of all time favorite rider of all time Jan Ulrich I love Jan like when I was a kid growing up I um I just loved Jan because he was like the, he was the underdog 
they also had this like soft side to him, which I saw. And then when I was, I don't know, it was like 19 or something, I was in South Africa and at Sun City, it's like a holiday resort. I saw him actually walking around like the wave, there's like a wave pool there. My wife, well, Ellie, she was my wife. And then I said, oh, that's Jan Ulrich. Like, oh, I don't know, he's. So I'm like, no, I've got to, I, I have to go up there. And like, we actually spoke about it the other day. Like, when I went to, I was like, hey, man, hey, Jan. And he was like, you know, I think he probably was like, oh, I don't want to be noticed, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And he was, just, he was like super nice to me. He was like, oh, good luck with your career, man. Have a good time, whatever. And then after that day, I was like, Man, no, he's ex- ex- exactly what I thought he was. You know, oh, like I was like true. chuffed. I was, I was chuffed. You know, and obviously, like um, the other, like you know, recently when he's had all these, you know, he's been going through like a tough time. I felt so sorry for him. You know, I was just like, you know, I've always felt like I had a soft spot for Jan. Perfect. I'm a big Jan fan too. Favorite rider right now? Favorite rider right now would probably be um, probably today. I'd say that's you know, he's just exciting on all fronts. He's exciting mm. to watch. In the classics, he's exciting to watch in the Grand Tour. Um, he races to win wherever he goes. Um, for me, for me, he does it all. And uh, you know, I think although he's probably the best rider of what we've seen all rounder, he's exciting to watch. You know, and he mm. and he has a bit of fun with the fans, and he's enjoying himself. And I mean, it's hard not to enjoy yourself when you're the world's best. But yeah, it's I think today is probably the most interesting now. Best moment in a race, like, and I mean that moment in a race where it could be the neutral zone, it could be when the break finally goes, it could be just, you know, cresting a mountain, I don't know. What's that bit for you where you go, yeah, I really like that bit in a race? I think the best part for me is when you've done your job, you know, when you've finished your job and, you know, like, I did a good job and I nailed my job today. It was a stressful period. It was a stressful job. It was something that I had to execute today and you did it and then you've, like, watched the peloton, like, right away. Your your job was up until that point, or maybe you went a little bit further than what you were told to do, and you actually exceeded your your role. But to then when you've done it, and then you've like you've watched the peloton roll away, and then the director comes past you in the car and he's like, "Mate, good job!" You know, like he saw yeah. you on TV, and he's like, "Really, really good job, man." You need anything? That's like yeah. I love that moment. Like I love that moment because then you felt like done my job. Over to you. The pressure's off completely, and it's just like a rolling. You know, it's yeah. just like a complete rolling yeah. where you just enjoy like ah oh, okay, and then you do like those guys at the back and kind of like oh how'd it go? You know, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to be close enough too where the rolling sort of like even just two k. You know, like where you're like oh, ah yeah. I can actually enjoy. It. You're not you don't. Doing the job right to the line, you're sort of in the mess right to the finish, you know, but that's sort of close enough where you can roll in and really relax the roll in, you know, not, yeah, not yeah. 40K to go or 30K. Like, I've actually got a ride now. No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I enjoyed I enjoyed that part of it. Like, yeah. that, that was my, like, I, I knew it. When I, like, nailed my job, I was just like, oh, no, no I'm going to see what the director says and then move on, you know. On the flip side, worst partner, worst partner race. Sprint finishes, man. Like, that's... I, I hated that. Like, I never enjoyed it, although I, I uh, got my career going on that path, but, but I did it because I needed to do it. I didn't do it because I enjoyed doing it. I did it because it was a job that needed to be fulfilled in the team and it was a role I could do. But as soon as I could get out of that hustle and that fighting and sprints and crashing, and, uh, you know, I think when you just going through those moments of like crashing and coming back from it, and that kind of just, yeah, that I hated about cycling. All right, I reckon you're going to have a pretty good one of these days. War story. One of those days, it could be typically the Giro producers, great war stories. Could be a classic. Could be something back in South Africa. Could be one of your epic crashes. Maybe it's not. What's one of those days where you just go, ah, this bloody day, I tell you. Tell us about it. 
Uh, probably the worst I had on a bike was in the Tourmalet, my first Tour de France, where I got like straight out the hoop. Like, was it? I think it was a rest day the day before. I, I didn't have experience just trying to get through a rest day and then ride a big stage the next day. Um, and I just started the day completely empty. Like, didn't feel enough, didn't eat enough. And as we started, I was already going like, we hadn't even started going up the hill yet. It was like the pre-hill. And I was already like starting to go out the back and there was still a race on. And I got dropped with like Cav, Tyler Farah, Peter Weening and Bernie Arzel. Of Weening? Yeah, what, yeah. Why was, was Weening back there? I, I don't know. He was having the same day as me, man. And um, <laughs> so we all, five of us went out to us. And I was like, okay, I just need to stay with these guys. And I was like sitting there and I was like, okay, I, I should be all right. Like, you know, but as we started climbing the Tourmalet, like 10K in, I was just like, I don't think I can even hold on to these guys. And then I was, oh, and then like no. Edvald Bosenagen also got dropped. So he was, he was with us too. So I was like, okay, we've got another guy now. And then I just remember telling them all like, guys, can you just like, please? And I started begging. Like I started begging on the climb. Like, please, can you just like, <laughs> just like, just let, let me get to the top. Let me get to the top. And they're like, oh, we kind of got to go. You know, it's like kind of that like, oh, <laughs> oh no. But we're on the knife's edge already. And they didn't want to get rid of me. Like they didn't want to drop me. I thought, you know, it's still like a long day to go. It's still like 160K to go. So like I suffered to the top there. I just remember going like, oh, one pedal stroke over the next. Like just keep pedaling. And then I saw McEwen on the side of the road trying to give us bottles. And I was just like, I nearly stopped there. I was so ready to just unclip. I thought, oh, I can't do this. Like, I actually can't do it. Like, I was like, nah, then the thought of like the disappointment not making it to Champs-Élysées, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, come on. you got to like, until you can't go no more. And then uh, I remember doing like this mad descent of, you know, how fast Cav and Bernie and those guys like descent. Yeah. Man, I just remember going around the corners, risking my life. And I, I was kind of like just put in the back of my head, like, I don't care what the result is. I have to take these risks. I have I, to I, stay I, with these guys. I, I, was, I was so desperate. Like, I was so desperate. I remember like going, I don't care anymore. I was going around the corner going, there could be a car here. There could be. No. I was just like, I don't have to break. I do have to. And I was just like, follow them. Just do what they do. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> And I, I, I was like so on the limit. Then I got to the valley, and then they started like swapping off now, and I couldn't roll through. And then Bernie like came and shut me out. He's like, "Hey mate, like it's got a free ride today." And I was like, "Dude, I have been on the limit on the downhill up to I, I'm sorry, I can't help." So like I, I sat there. Eventually, we caught the group. Like we had a little bit of a tow from one of the cars, and then like we caught the group in the in the valley. And we're like cookie, and then we're there, and then I was just like sitting on the wheels. And obviously, Bernie was like still feeling all right. And he was trying to get the whole group to work. And obviously, I was sitting on, and I was like new to the peloton, bro, peloton. And he came and gave me another spray, like, hey, what are you doing, man? Like, you're not going to make any friends like this. We're all out the back. And I was like, dude, I am just hanging on on the wheel here. Like, I'm totally fucked. Like, I've got no <laughs> chance to, like, I can't hang, I, I can't contribute. Otherwise, I'm going to be gone. And then I remember riding up one of the last times of the day and there was like, you know, Gripetta, everyone was like having a good time. They're all happy. They're all like, and I was like on the limit. And like, I remember saying to Cookie, mate, can you give me, give me a gel? And he was like taking gels out of my pocket and like feeding me. And I, I got this gel at the top, and I got to the top and I, we did the downhill, got to the finish line. Just remember sitting in the, in the bus, like just my helmet on. All the boys, that, like they all went and showered. And but you know when you're like just on like you so <laughs> oh no and i was wondering there i was like i don't think i can start tomorrow like there's no way i can do another day like this there's absolutely no way and i just sat in the bus with my kid and they were like daryl you're not showering and i was like man i i am just and i still had my helmet on i was like nah uh, just just go like oh i, I was God. i was in pieces like worst down a bike ever it was just like complete underfeel next day i was fine next day i was like in the race i ate properly and i recovered i i did not understand how i turned that day like got to the finish that's 160k i was just like at the mercy of whoever was in front of me people give me shit for not helping like oh and i you know that like when you climb the hill 
I, I kept telling everyone to slow, like slow down, because that's all I could do. It was my only defense. Like I was like, can we just slow mm. down? Can we just? I was being that like whinging guy in the peloton, which is like the worst guy in the group head over. But you like, I had no other choice. I had no other choice. Like, just to be like a whining oh. little whinging right of there <laughs> mate epic epic sir i've been there before i'm sure everyone listening has been in that situation whether it's in a race or not you're at the mercy of that group you're with and you think obviously in your situation you had to stay with the group but when you're in a in a bunch ride or in a in a gravel event you think that you have to stay with that group that's just that little bit too fast for you because they're going to get you there faster and you're thinking i just have to i have to be like what am i going to do here save like three minutes maybe i should just swing up unfortunately yeah. in a race scenario you can't but um everyone can relate to that Tell me about your last race, Montreal, Canada. Run me through that last bit when you knew it was it was it was done. You know, I saw an image of you. You'd done your job. You're rolling in. You got to sort of absorb the the atmosphere. You didn't race to right to the line. You got to absorb the atmosphere in the last lap or whatever it was. Tell me about that moment and sort of the feeling what it was running through you at that moment. Yeah, I, I think look, it was a stressful day with the rain and with everything, and there was like. I, I was already nearly dropped the first lap, actually, because we went like so hard at the start. And I remember going like, I oh, know I'm not ending like this. Like, there's no way I'm ending my career. Just spat out the back first lap and done. But it was like a close reality. I was like, am I actually this shit at this point? Like, I, I actually can't believe I'm actually getting dropped here. But there were, there were other guys getting dropped. But I was like, no, I, I can't. Like, I, I've got to go at, at least halfway, <laughs> at least. So it settled down again. And then I kind of got my found my way back to the front. And then I just said to Tim, listen, man, it's stressful today all day. I'd rather ride with the team, keep them up here front all day. And I'd love to, like, have that opportunity to just, like, kind of leave whatever I have out there and, like, let me have my my moments. And they were like, no, oh, it's going to help us, actually, if you're in the front. So go for it. So, like, I really enjoyed that. And it was fun because, like, nobody else wanted to give a turn. So it was just, like, me versus, you know, Vermeersh in the front. It was it was just, like, fun because I could do my own pace. I could ride my own thing. And I knew there was, like, some parts of the course that I could flick the peloton a bit when it lines out, just hmm. kick out of a few corners. You can't give a bit, of, a bit of payback when I swung off and my job was done and I thought, okay, I'll do one lap because like, I want to just soak up the atmosphere around the course. It was kind of like excited and I was happy and it was like super nice to have a lot of guys in Peloton like pat, pat me on the back when I was coming through the group, you know, like, oh, congrats. Because I knew I was done then, you know, it's not like I'm going to do another five mm. laps. I knew, okay, that's that's what he's, what he's doing. And um, yeah, I kind of like as I was coming closer and closer to the end and I was coming up with the last couple of climbs that I was thinking, geez, this is the last time I'm going to be in like, you know, closed roads like this, like in this company, with these people around me, with the whole support that we have in post-cycling, it's the last time I'm going to pin a number on and have it like, you know, then I started thinking, oh, this is actually it. This is coming to mm. the end, you know. And then I was just riding up this one hill and this guy was like, man, you should have a beer. And I was like, actually, I should have a beer. So I stopped there and I sculled a beer with him. <laughs> and that was fun, you know. It was like fun to be with the crowd and uh, a lot of people were like cheering on and that. But then I remember like coming to the line, I was just like, yeah, it became too much. Like I came around that last mm. bend and I was like, this is the final pedal stroke, you know, of, okay, I'm not winning. I'm not finishing the race, but it, this is the final. And it's like, you know, it is, it's like a long drag to the finish line. And it was just, just felt like it took forever. And eventually like, I got there and I just couldn't contain myself anymore. You know, it was just like, I think it was mm. all the sacrifices, um, you know, thinking of my family, thinking of what I've done, thinking of everyone that's been a part of my career, um, coming into one. And and knowing it's like that there's there's a whole bunch of uncertainty on the other side too. Like this you, you also question it like there's no doubt in my mind retiring is the right thing. But it's you know, I've been so used to having so much structure in my life and I know yeah. I know where everything's coming and now I don't have that. 
I think mm-hmm. it was everything boiled into one. But yeah, I, I haven't looked back and gone, oh, I miss, I miss, like, I miss racing. I miss the preparation. I don't, I'm not at that point yet. I knew I was going to be emotional, but like, it was, it was seriously hard to like see the family, like, send me some messages and I like they I, I got really upset you know like because then I was like you realize those are the people that have been in your corner all these years mm. those are the people that have been like you've come home shitty and tired and grumpy and moaning and bitching and sometimes good sometimes sad you know th- those are the people that have been living this with me the whole time you know this, these are the people that have been mm. like uh, like by my side and for them too it's the end they're also relying on like okay so where to next and what's happening next and you know because they everybody's so used to the life we have you know and you get to appreciate it a bit more i think we we've appreciated the friends we've made and yeah i think so it was emotional emotional but great like mm. same breath i got a great send off the team did an awesome job of like making t-shirts you know it was that was special you know like i didn't expect it and it's always like your last race think oh it would be cool if someone did something you know because you kind of i don't know i felt like i just don't have the energy to like go and throw a big thing for myself here like that i almost mm. feel a bit weird you know so it was like super nice. Like they had a t-shirt made for the whole team and they like wore it to dinner. And I was like, ah, that, that was enough for me. It was perfect. You know, it's nice to know you've got a legacy, you know, and I yeah. think that's the thing you don't expect, you know, people to come up and, you know, blow your blow a whistle all about your career or whatever, but it's nice to know you've had a little impact on the Peloton, whatever that is. And, yeah. um, to show it in whatever way they did. I, I think it was awesome. Great story. Really, really good story. I can relate to that a lot. And I think everyone's sort of wondering about what that's like for a professional athlete, whatever sport that is, the last kick, the last pedal stroke, whatever that is. The last topic, let's punch through it. About you, BWS, something you're going to get used to doing quite often, maybe or maybe not. Beer, wine or spirits. What's your drink of poison? Beers. I think beers always... It can have it at any occasion. It's like there's nothing that beats like a hard ride or a long day or mowing the lawn and then like a good beer afterwards, you know, like that's there's nothing that beats that. What coffee do you drink, mate? What sort of coffee are you? Are you a, just a straight up Italian style milk coffees in the morning, get to 12 espressos all day? What's your coffee routine? Yeah, more like coffee with milk in the morning and like a, you know, cappuccino kind of style. And then, uh, yeah, late in the day after lunch, maybe an espresso or something like that. But uh, I'm more of like the milk kind of uh, guy, you know. I don't, I, I don't mind this. <laughs> I don't mind a long black, but I'm more like I'll always favor like the sweetness and the more. Have you thought about this, your favorite cross-training exercise, which is probably going to be your exercise now, you're not a pro. What is your favorite cross-training exercise that's not cycling? No, like I've enjoyed, um, I've enjoyed running a little bit. Uh, running's been fun and like even when I went – you know, I did some I did some races last last week, two weeks ago with the team just to kind of like see what the other side of the fence was like. And like going on the staff run, which was fun. You know, like I enjoyed like the you don't have much time and you, you also don't have to pack a bike and you know, so I think I enjoy that because it's so easy. Just put a trainers in and you know, and away you go. You can run in whatever you want. Um so I've enjoyed that. Like and I think now going, you know, it's particularly when I move to Australia and things like that, I'll take up a lot more um activities like that i'm not going to be going into swimming and triathlon and anything like that but i think <laughs> running i can see like okay i'm going to nap out for 7 to 10k i'm going to go and do a bit of exercise and come back and you know i can still stay as i am for the rest of the day couple of questions left what are you most looking forward to as a non-pro not being guilty about food drinks uh just not feeling guilty about it anymore i think I've paid so much attention to all that over the years that it's just so nice not to have that. And what are you going to miss? Have you worked that out yet or have you thought about that or maybe it's nothing? I don't know. Have you, what do you think you might miss? 
No, I'm gonna miss the camaraderie. I think I've always mm. I've missed that. I miss that in the team. I, I, I love the, I love racing with different guys. I love racing in different environments. You know, I love being away with the boys. Just uh, there's always something that came out of it. There's always a couple of good laughs or even a rant about someone or whatever. You know, it was just like I enjoyed that whole process and the the just getting to know guys. So I'm gonna miss that. You know, going into a room and it might not be someone you've roomed with before, but then getting to know them. You know, that's that was the fun part. And the last question, mate, really is, you know, moving forward, what does life look like for you coming up? You know, do you know, have you got any idea where you're going to be, where you're going to live? And, you know, is it going to involve a bike? Well, uh, we're going to move to Sydney. We're going to move that side. So we're actually doing that now, the big pack up from Girona. So we're coming to live full time in Australia. It does make it a bit more tricky because of like everything I've known over the years has been this side in Europe. Um, so I will still be involved in some capacity as like a, a DS or, a, you know, kind of involved with some of the, you know, something in the team, you know, at this point, it's not really refined or um, anything yet. It's going to be a smaller role because of just basically location where I am. And then it's to see how it all fits in. Yeah. And then I'll still be involved with, hopefully I can be involved with maybe Cycling Australia if something comes up. Um, mm. I think using my experience outside would be, you know, valuable for some young guys. It'd be nice to help some youngsters out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't have a solid plan yet. I think my first ob- sole objective is to get my family to Australia and get us settled and then start thinking about everything. Um, I actually am enjoying a bit of time off. And also, I, mean, I think I need the dust to settle, you know, from a very long career and a very, a lot of things been going on. I think it's a nice transition to still stay involved in cycling to a point. Um, but I think it's, it's also good to let the dust settle a bit and then look after the family, make sure they're good. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Awesome to have you on the pod. Last question, last, last question. Something I forgot to say is after all these years, mate, what's the best thing about riding a bike for you? Yeah, I don't want to say it's fun, but I, like, whenever I clip in my bike, I never think mm. like, oh, okay, obviously if you've got efforts, it's a different story, but I think it's just the freedom, you know, the freedom of like, I want to go mm. left, I want to go right. I, you know, like even say the other day I went on like a little ride and I was just like, oh, I've never been down that road before. She, she does it, came to dead end, but I was like, you know, it was just, no, it's just to be just to do that and you're still riding you're still doing something uh, you're getting fit at the same time i love that like when i was just absolutely pinging for racing and just that feeling uh, that's probably a feeling when i miss that's probably a feeling i miss but i think part that they yeah, are and just enjoy riding my bike getting out there fresh air it's better when you do it with mates you know i really go out for like a ride now on my own i, I want to go and talk and enjoy it you know Daz, thank you very much thanks bitch Well, it would be sad to not see Daryl in the peloton anymore, but I know he's going to be just around the corner up there in Sydney. I'm sure we're going to cross paths many times here in Australia. It's great. I can't believe it. He's going to be out here. It's sad to see him, like I said, leave the peloton, but I'm excited about his next phase too. Well, we've just got one talking look for you coming up next month, and that'll be it for Life in the Peloton this year. That will be with our good friend, Luke Plapp. Hang in for that one. That'll be a month away. Big thanks that goes out to Red Brick Media, Will Jones, who puts this episode together, the Life in the Peloton team, Megan Spurlow, and you guys for listening. Guys, and until next time, thanks for listening. I'll speak to you then. Cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.